Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Coming up on New Year's, you know, what's something everyone does New, uh, New Year's Eve and going to New Year's is they make resolutions, right? So I have a video I want to show you of, um, it's, it's definitely an embarrassing video. I was hesitant to show it. Um, I have shared my struggles with this before that God has delivered me over the years from a uh, love of Taco Bell. And little by little, he has been setting me free from that, but it's been a process. So I'll give you a little uh, pretext to this video. Um, we had decided, my wife and I, to, to do some kind of cheat meal. I went to Taco Bell and I got like three or four things. Even after telling myself, you don't need a bunch of, you know, just get one or two items. You know, when I was in college, yeah, like five, six items, no problem. You know, once you get into the upper, uh, upper 20s in that old age, it just doesn't work anymore. So, pretext this video, I didn't listen to what I told myself. And I said, Ashley, I was not feeling very good at the moment. I said, you need to, you need to video this for my future self so that I can remember. <laughs> true story. True story. Is this a true story? So, here is... Here is, um, what is, what happened? Okay. You don't need three things. Just get two. You don't, you don't need three. Don't be an idiot. Just get, just get one. If you have to, get two. Just get one. Don't need three. This is not good. It's not good. Sorry for taking my hands off the wheel, young people. Don't do that. But, uh. Yeah, that, I, was, uh, I was feeling the pain of that. Now, here's something we can identify with. Do you think that was the last time I got three things at Taco Bell? No. No. No, because we don't ever keep our resolutions, do we? No. Yeah, now I will say this, it was one of the last times. Maybe, maybe like two or three times since then. I'm, I'm, like I said, God is freeing me. I am, I am close to freedom. It was one of the last times, but, but not, not the last time. Right, and, and that's something I think we can identify with, is that we set these goals, we set these, these resolutions for ourselves, and we don't meet them, and then we get discouraged by it. And that's, that's a problem. We get, we get discouraged by our shortcomings. And we kind of, we look at our past and, and be like, yeah, that's who I am. I can't do this. I can't hit this. And that's a problem I want to kind of introduce our message with today is, you know, how, how, we, how we see ourselves, how we see God. The problem is we get discouraged by our shortcomings, so the goal of today is, is to get a picture kind of who we are and who God is and who God is making us to be. Honestly, I think pretty much any problem in life comes from not seeing God correctly or not seeing ourselves correctly. When we do that, we live in a healthy way. So in our uh, series, Unusual Christmas, uh, talking about weird, different, odd stories, uh, I guess you can add that one to the mix, my Taco Bell laments, uh, Unusual Christmas. And, and how, does, how does Christmas uh, help us with this problem, this problem of I failed again. I am kind of a loser, which makes me feel bad, which makes me want to eat Taco Bell so I can feel better, which, right, that's a cycle we get in. We, we, we beat ourselves up and we go to these things that aren't healthy to make us feel better. What do we do when we get discouraged? What do we do when we, we know we're not perfect, we're not great? How do we see ourselves? How do we see God more clearly? That's what I want to talk about today, get a little bit of picture of that. I'm, I'm excited to share. Uh, it's something that uh, you know, came up just reading my Bible right here in this, this row one, one Wednesday. And like, um, actually, so I was reading through a few chapters and 
honestly, I was like, God, what in the world am I supposed to learn from this? This was like an exodus, and it is about weird ancient construction directives and things like that. And I'm like, God, there's something in here probably, but I don't know. I guess I'll just keep reading until something pops out. And sure enough, the next day I kept, I read through those chapters again, and, and something jumped out um, and just clicked it out. I thought it was really cool, and I, I get to share that today. We get to look at something really cool. So here's the main point. Main point I want to share, try to repeat this, is that Christmas keeps us beautiful. Christmas keeps us beautiful. Now, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of thoughts, and I want to make sure I'm trying to give them in a, in a coherent way. So I ha- kind of have a little bit of a roadmap for us. Um, look at that as three puzzle pieces. So number one, we're going to look at Christmas, why, why Christmas is the start of this message. What does this have to do with Christmas? Then we're going to go over kind of to the end on how, what does it mean that we're beautiful? Why, why are we beautiful? How Christmas connects to that. And then we're going to finish uh, number three in the middle, how, how it is, is continually making us and keeping us beautiful, right? So we're going to look at Christmas part first. What does Christmas have to do with it? Then we're going to uh, jump to the end on, on what does it mean that we're beautiful? And then we're going to finish with um, something that I think is pretty cool and, and how it, it, it keeps happening. It's a new thing constantly. So, all right, so number one, then we'll go to the end. Number two, in the middle. Number three, Christmas keeps us beautiful. We're going to look at those scriptures uh, up there. Now, quick sidebar. All right, so uh, some of you guys, um, some of you, you hear the word beautiful, and you're like, I don't care about being beautiful. I want to be deadly. I want to be a beast, <laughs> right? You know, I don't know, guy or girl, I don't know if that's a, something that doesn't, doesn't resonate with you. Now, I'll, I understand that. You know, for me, like, sometimes you get, you get called something like, oh, that was cute. Like, that's not a compliment, right? Like, you, usually cute is a positive word, but sometimes when you get called cute, you're like, that, I'm not cute. Like, squirrels and puppies are cute. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beast. I'm, I'm, I'm the squirrel's older, more ferocious cousin, the rhino. Right? I'm, a, I'm not a dog. I'm a, I'm a wild dingo. That's, that's who I am. Like, don't call me cute or beautiful, right? I don't know if that, uh, maybe you, you hear Christmas keeps us beautiful and like something's like, no, I don't want to be beautiful. Like, I, let me, I want to address that, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean cute or just pretty or shiny. I mean, have you ever been hiking and seen some mountains? I've gotten to see the Rocky Mountains, the rugged terrain, deadly terrain. It's beautiful, beautiful pictures. I mean, to me, watching Nick Chubb running the football is beautiful, right? Right? That's, that's not cute. That's, that's a beautiful thing right there, right? So when, I, when we say beautiful, it means something, something valuable, something inherently good. And, and listen, whether you're a guy, guy or girl, God gave us this desire to be valuable and worthwhile and gave us emotions. And we, we all long for the affections and the attention of a, a father and mother who cares for us and and our Heavenly Father wants to give us that. So whether, you know, whoever you are, you hear the word beautiful. Let me, let me try to, to balance that a little bit and say, hey, we, we, you have that desire in you to, to be valuable, to, to be worthwhile, to be looked at and say, yes, that is something awesome. Whoever you are, you know, whether you're the, the toughest, manliest man or, or not, we all have that in us. And, and also, yeah, by the way, there's, you know, looking at... I mean, looking at the example of like King David, he was the ultimate warrior king who uh, brought his father-in-law a hundred foreskins of his enemies to win his wife. Like that's pretty, pretty tough. And he also wrote the most frail and vulnerable intimate poetry that we have in ancient literature. Like, 
Right? So, so emotions of vulnerability and this desire is, is okay. You're not, you're not less of a, of a beast just because you have that desire to be valuable, to be worthwhile. All right? So I wanted to, I wanted to, to bring that. That's sidebar over. Christmas keeps us beautiful, keeps us valuable, keeps us worthwhile. So starting number one with Christmas. Christmas, John 1.14. Pastor Kevin used this verse, an amazing verse that John is writing about the Christmas story. Now, really, this is pretty much all John talks about the Christmas story. You know, there's, there's four stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and uh, Matthew and Luke talk a lot about, you know, the, the wise men and the shepherds and the angels. Uh, John doesn't really talk about any of those details. Pretty much all he says is the word, he's talking about Jesus, this like, this mystical deity, but he actually became flesh and dwelt among us. This is John's version of the Christmas story. Jesus came and, and dwelt among us. This is, about, this is about it for the Christmas story that John mentioned. So this is where this message is coming from. What does it mean that Jesus came and dwelt among us? All right, so number one, Christmas. Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth, coming to earth. And John says he came and he dwelt among us. So that's where our, that's where our Christmas beginning is. Christmas beginning is. <clears throat> we, I don't know if anyone can give me a bottle of water. I'm, I don't know. I just drank a bunch right before I came out. I knew this was going to happen. Thank you, Ashley. Jesus came and dwelt among us. That's what Christmas is all about. The word coming, being incarnate in our world. So number one, Christmas. Uh, that's, our, that's our first point. Now, how is this going to tie to Christmas keeping us beautiful? All right, so let's, let's dig in a little bit. When John says that the word came and dwelt among us, this is, uh, and I'm not as uh, Greek proficient as Pastor Kevin is, but the Greek word is skenao, skenao, which means to have one's tent, to dwell in a tent. And you can see the word there for tent is skenoma, so it's how those words are related. So basically John is saying that Jesus came and, and tented among us. He, he, he made his tent. He kind of, he, he built his tent here. He lived right in the middle of who we are. When John says dwelt, that's what he's saying. And that, that word is important because, now here's the connection point. Here's a really cool connection point. Way back in the book of Exodus, right? So thousand years before, thousand years before, God told the Israelites, he said, go build me a tent. Go and construct a, ta- a tabernacle, it was called, but it was a, it was a tent. Thank you, Ashley. Exodus 26 and 30. And in the Greek translation, this is the same word, skenoma. Build me a skenoma. So when John says that Jesus came and skenaoed here, he knows his readers, a lot of the Jewish readers are going are gonna to think of this skenoma, this tent from the Old Testament. Jesus came, he tabernacled among us. Jesus was the tabernacle. So what was this, what, what was this tabernacle that John's talking about? What does it mean that Jesus tented among us? What does it mean that he is now the new tabernacle of the Exodus? The Exodus talks about this, this tabernacle where, where God dwelt among his people. Jesus is now, Jesus is now the, the new tabernacle. Now, and I guess speaking of tents for a second, tents don't sound all that great. It's like, I don't know if, if any of you guys have ever had a family vacation and tried to do uh, a camping trip in, in tents. Anyone adventurous like that? Yeah, Doug, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that one, yeah. So my, my dad had this, this streak of about four years where he was like, we're going to do cheap family vacations, and we're going to buy ourselves a nice tent. 
Now, um, my mom would say the nicest tent doesn't compare with the worst Motel 6. Amen. <laughs> now, the three, the three boys and my, my baby sister, we didn't mind too much, but uh, yeah, sleeping in a tent in the middle of the New Mexican wilderness wasn't my mom's idea of a refreshing family vacation, surprisingly. <clears throat> now, I will say, New Mexico does have some amazing, beautiful places. Those were not the places that we were at. That is, we, we went to this one campground that was definitely some kind of drug dealer's hotspot. It was out in the middle of nowhere, and we see, like, Escalades driving by. The bathrooms don't have doors on them. The fish are, like, dead and floating in the water. Um, a, a bear or a, some kind of hooligan came and tore up our camp and, and destroyed, like, all our food. So, it, yeah. When I think of tents, wasn't the best family vacation memories. I don't know if you guys have the same image, like a tent that seems kind of uh, low bar. That doesn't seem very great. And yeah, a lot of times tents are not. Or if you, you know, if you're familiar with the Old Testament story and think about uh, the tabernacle, you've heard that. Maybe you're picturing like just this nice brown burlapy tent, but the Ark of the Covenant was in there. It actually was a pretty nice tent. Uh, I think we have a, I think we have a picture of what that looked like. If you read through the chapters of Exodus 26 and 27, 28, and 30, it's very detailed. If you you skim through it, you're going to see things like make it out of gold and silver and bronze and have your finest craftsmen come and and weave and and create and build. make, Make sure these things are skillfully worked and skillfully woven. So this wasn't just, just an old burlapy, dusty tent in the middle of the desert. This was something stunning and ornate and beautiful, something that the finest tradesmen and craftsmen worked on in the nation to create. So this Exodus tabernacle wasn't just a dusty tent. It was something skillful. Hey, and look, honestly, we know skillful things are more impressive. If you've seen this meme, which part of this horse is more impressive? Which one takes some skill to do, right? The, the back end. We, we know they're both a horse, both parts are a horse, but, you know, so we think, maybe we think of tent, we're thinking of the, the front part, but man, this tent is, I'm not going to say this, it's the horse, it's the horse is that part of it. <laughs> it's skillfully done, it's well done. We're impressed by skillful things. Skillful things stand out to us, and this is what the tent was. I mean, people have, people are at the top of their profession or, or, or their game or, or, or whatever. It's, it's interesting. It's, man, it's something to behold and look at, whether it's, you know, artwork or, um, and, you know, look at the Marvel movies, the top of filmmaking. It just it captures our attention and it, it holds us. This is what this tent was, this tabernacle was, something skillful, ornate, and beautiful. So, quick other sidebar. So how do we get from this tabernacle through to Jesus? So... Real quick kind of overlay of that. This tabernacle was with the people as they traveled along in the desert. Then they settled in, in Israel, and they built then the temple. This is David's son Solomon, who was king. He built the temple, and that temple got destroyed. Then there was another temple, and then that temple got destroyed. Then, then King Herod uh, built the temple for the Jews in Jerusalem as it, at the time that Jesus was born. And so this tabernacle became the temple and the temple, the, the, the Israelite people understood the temple as this is where God's presence dwells. The tabernacle was where God was, his like cloud came over and was with them right in the middle of the camp as they traveled. And then the temple in the middle of Jerusalem was where like God himself, his presence was. 
It's where, it's where Yahweh, their, their God, dwelt, right in the middle of the temple. That's where, that's where the temple was. But then Jesus comes on the scene. There's an interesting, there's an interesting quote that says that it's almost like Jerusalem wasn't big enough for the two of them, the temple and Jesus. Jesus came in and became a new temple. He said, God's, God doesn't dwell in a building anymore. I'm, I'm here. God is, Jesus was now our, our new temple. Jesus was here, God in the flesh with us, not in a building, not contained within four walls made by human hands, but man, something new, God's presence in a living, breathing person. That was Jesus. So that's, that's the kind of quick path of getting from the tabernacle to the temple to Jesus. But then here's something amazing. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. It says, The whole structure being joined together, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. First Peter 2 also says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. So this path of God's presence dwelling with his people went from this tent, this beautiful, ornate, stunning tent in the desert, then to a building which was also man, beautifully done, then into Jesus, but now it's us. We are the new temple. We are the new tabernacle where God's presence actually lives amongst the people that follow him. And uh, N.T. Wright, um, a bishop and a scholar, says the temple would be followed by the establishment of a community focused on Jesus himself that would replace the temple once and for all. So followers of Jesus were the new temple. Ever since Jesus was here and ascended through today, we are the new temple. We are the ones who have replaced this tent and this, and this building of where God's presence dwells. Hey, in the same way, just, just as the temple, um, there wasn't enough room for the temple and Jesus, if we have that mindset that God's presence is, is here in this building and not in us, we're going to miss out. If, if we think of God's presence being in, this, in the church, being this, these four walls instead of us, you're going to miss out on God's best for us. We are the temple. We are the new tabernacle. We are the new temple. That, to me, is something fantastic and amazing. Not, not just this, this, this dusty piece of burlap in the desert, which is how we see ourselves sometimes. But man, we are this ornate, stunning display that was skillfully woven and crafted, skillfully put together. That was supposed to be a, a stunning image of God's glory living on earth. That's who we are now. We don't feel that way sometimes, but that's you follow the story of Scripture, that's who we are. Does it mean we're perfect? Does it mean everything is just shiny and glossy and nice? No, of course not. It's not supposed to be. And even then, at the, at the tabernacle, <clears throat> excuse me, there were daily sacrifices. There was, there was death and guts and blood happening constantly. It's this weird, this weird image of this beautiful place where the reminder of life and death was a daily occurrence. And so... Even us doesn't mean we're perfect and glossy and everything's nice and fine and, and poppy and prim. Yeah, there's a reminder that we're, we're broken and there's death and, and, and the messiness of life. That's, that's true too. That's there as well. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but we are skillfully crafted. We're beautiful. We're this beautiful thing, this valuable, worthwhile thing. So that's puzzle piece number two. Number one, we looked at how Christmas in John 1, 14 talks about how Jesus coming and tenting among us Christmas. Then we looked at the end part. Exodus 26 talks about this beautiful, ornate tabernacle. 
That's now us. We are now the, the living building of God from Ephesians and 1 Peter. We're this beautiful creation. Now, final piece. What does it mean that Christmas keeps us beautiful? And this is the verse. This is what popped out at me reading through this Exodus passage. Here's what it says. When you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay to the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come, uh, will come upon them. Receive this atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is the tabernacle. Now, I don't know all the theological implications of, of why was there a plague coming on them. I don't, uh, don't know quite yet. Can't get into that today. But they, they would pay this offering as a ransom to be counted in among their, amongst their people. They would pay this ransom to be counted in. And what's amazing is that in the New Testament, Mark and Paul talks about how Jesus is now our ransom payment. Right? So there was this payment that, that kind of counted the people in, that included them amongst the people. Today, Jesus is our payment. He includes us. He counts us in. That's really cool. But then here's, here's my favorite part. Here's, here's this, keeps, this keeps us part, this middle puzzle piece. That last line of Exodus 30, 16 there, it says, receive the atonement money and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. Use it for the service. So this payment would go to keep the tabernacle up and running, to keep it going. The payment that counted the people in would, would go to continually to, to buy new uh, things. Later on, it talks about how it, they made new, new bronze basins, and, and each part of the tabernacle were paid for by this payment that counted them in to keep it up and going. Now think, about, think about like our building, our church right here, our church today. What, what, what all goes into keeping this place running? Pastor Kevin, you know better than anybody, all, uh, Pastor Robin, the, uh, counting the bills. We have electricity, right? We have, I mean, water, and we have to clean it, and we have to, things break, unfortunately. And youth pastors put holes in the walls. Um, not me. I've never, well, never mind. Not, not, not more than three times. It was less than three times that happened. You know, things, things break, and you need, you need things to keep a building up and running. You know, you need to yeah, buy new equipment and, and bring heat and bring life to the building so how about us? If, if we're the temple and he's the payment for us to include us, what does it take to keep us up and running? We're going, moving to close now. The band can come out. Man, what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like that Jesus is our payment? Now, I tried to visualize this and um, we talked about the, had that, that horse picture up earlier. Um, I'm, as you're going to see, I'm more on the front end of the horse. But here's, here's kind of my visualization of what, was, what is, is trying to uh, happen here. Um, this should explain everything. So just memorize this and now you're good. <laughs> but like, I, was, I was trying to like, man, there's so many layers here. But So in Exodus, there was this, this payment that would count the people in. Mark says that Jesus is our payment. In Exodus, there's this, the, the tabernacle there. That's the nice uh, purple and blue, beautiful tent there. Jesus is now our tabernacle, but then we're the tabernacle. And Jesus, he's our payment. He's the one who keeps the tabernacle running. He's the one who keeps us running and going. And if we're a living tabernacle, that means he keeps us alive. He keeps us living and breathing and going and beautiful. 
It's all about Jesus and what he does. But man, that should change the way we look at ourselves as well. We're a living temple. Not just, not just to function, not just to, to, to be alive, but man, to be living and to be alive on the inside. He keeps us alive. He keeps us beautiful. He's our payment that keeps us going. So let me ask you, what about just you and your life? What keeps you going day to day, week to week, month to month? A hot meal? Man, a warm, warm bath in the morning, some good exercise. What, what invigorates you? What brings you to life? Jesus, man, for our spiritual lives, he's all of those things. Everything that brings us life and brings us pleasure and meaning and gives us hope, that's what Jesus is constantly as the church, this beautiful, stunning, ornate church. That's who we are. So here's the roadmap we've, we've gone through. Hey, excuse my voice today. It's the third day of Christmas, and how Jesus, the story of Christmas, he came and he, he tented among us. He became one. He just lived right in the middle of who we are. And this tent wasn't just some dusty old thing. This tent was a beautiful, skillful, ornately designed uh, creation. And that's who we are now. That's who you are. Yeah, you don't think that about yourself. I know I don't. Constantly, daily, feeling anxious of what I've done right, wrong. I have to remind myself, this is who God sees me as. He's made me to be this. It's who you are, this, this beautiful, worthwhile creation, worthy of the love of your Father, your Heavenly Father. Not just He makes us beautiful, but He keeps us beautiful. Jesus is ransom for us to include us, a one-time payment that constantly, daily, yearly, is making us alive, making His church, not just individually, but collectively making His church alive and beautiful and amazing. We're part of something that Jesus continues to make beautiful and alive, more than accepted or just good enough or tolerated. To me, that is, is really cool, and I am so thankful for that. So here's, here's how we should respond. Number one, it should make us more thankful towards God. Number two, we should be more encouraged in ourselves, right? Yeah, there's probably going to come a day when I get too many things from Taco Bell yet again, and I'm going to think, why am I putting this garbage into my body on this beautiful, ornate design. Let me do better. Right? In the same way, whatever, whatever it is for you, whatever we go back to that doesn't really give us life, don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Don't look at yourself, you know, that, that voice, that inner critic. It's there. Give yourself grace. Man, be encouraged that when God sees you, he sees you as the new tabernacle where his presence dwells. God's presence is in you, church, to be his presence on earth. He created his church, us, here in this room, around the world, in Illyria and in Grafton and in Indiana and California and El Salvador. This People like you and me are his church, this, this creation where God is dwelling on earth. Let's be encouraged. You're not a squirrel. You're a terrifying, dangerous squirrel. You got this. You're a fierce owl. I don't know where all these animal metaphors come from. Sorry. But that's, that's you. That's, that's us. And then finally, it should make us more compassionate to others. Yeah, I know you're saying, okay, I am a beautiful tent, but my coworkers, my neighbors, they are just dusty burlap sacks that have no use. I know, I know you're thinking that. But man, the same way, God wants to make them something innately beautiful and stunning. See people that way. See them in the potential that God sees them. 
not just in the way they act all the time, not just in the way you see them. So this should be our takeaway. We should be more thankful towards God, more encouraged to ourselves, more compassionate towards others. So we're going to sing a song to conclude. Now, this is a very youth pastory thing, I know. I'm still getting, you know, only been a few months not doing that. But we have a little takeaway for you guys. I have a thread here. I got a nice looking thread. It's got a little uh, silver entwined with like a dark blue. If God can take a thread and in the hands of master craftsmen, he can put it together into a place where his glory dwells among his people. What can he do with you and I? So we have threads out at the hub. If you go right out the, the back here, there's a, there's a counter and we have threads for you to take home. If you want, just as a reminder, man, when you feel like a dusty old burlap sack, what does God see you as? He sees you as something that he can weave together to make his church that he calls worthy to, to make his home here on earth. You're part of that. You're one of these threads. When, we, when these threads come together, built into the, the spiritual living tabernacle that God is today, it's something beautiful and amazing that God chooses to dwell in. That's who you are and who I am. So feel free, grab a thread right out the back as you leave as a reminder. I'm gonna use mine as a bookmark in my Bible. I won't be offended if you don't. Just as a reminder that, man, you are something amazing. Christmas, because Jesus came and tented among us, he makes us and he keeps us beautiful year after year, year after year. So I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over you guys. The band's gonna sing. You are free to go this Sunday. So Father, I pray over your church. You gave us this image in the Old Testament of your glory coming and dwelling right amongst your people and that's who we are now. That we would see ourselves in the hands of you, the master craftsman, craftsman, something beautiful, something amazing that you are keeping alive year after year. Whether we fail or hit our goals or not, you make us alive, you make us beautiful. I pray that your church would live in this power and this confidence and this freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, you can stand and worship if you uh, need to head out. You are dismissed. Man, take it away. Let's sing and let's worship the God who makes us sing something.